Ever since I started researching the Rhineland art scene of my great-aunt Angelica Herla, who died in 1923, I've been struck by the different roles strong women played immediately before and after World War I. I found that there are many aspects to what was dubbed the new woman. Shorter skirts, no corsets, and short hair were practical when 60% of German women worked in support of the war effort between 1914 and 1918. Shortly after the war, shorter hair became a fashion statement for the new woman, first with a bob and when slicked down with the shingle. Angelica bobbed her hair and her friend, the artist Marta Hegemann, slicked hers into a shingle. The August Sander photograph of their friend Helena Abelin, which is readily available on the internet, shows a 1920s woman with masculine attire and a shingle. However, even before the war, the poet Elsa Laska Schuller and the sculptor Millie Steger had cut their hair, worn men's clothing, and worked in a man's world. Karl Ernst Osthaus brought Millie to the Rhineland to work on creating an ideal fusion of art, architecture, and the arts in Hagen. The poet Elsa, who often dressed as her alter ego, the Prince of Thebes, read at the bookstore Domus in Cologne on several occasions. Angelica knew these strong women, who set the bar very high in terms of living independently and according to their own inner voices. By the way, Elsa and Millie met in Hagen, and Elsa wrote a poem about Millie. The high profile and success of politicians Rosa Luxemburg and Clara Zetkin, even before women gained the right to vote in Germany in 1918, was also an inspiration to women like Angelica. That is why Luxemburg's murder four days before women voted for the first time in January 1919, hit Angelica particularly hard. She worked with Cologne artists to commemorate Luxembourg in the woodcut series titled Living Ones. Clara Zetkin remained in Parliament as a feminist beacon representing the KPD, the party Luxembourg helped found. Zetkin fled to Russia in 1933 when Hitler's National Socialists started their witch hunt for communists. These determined, groundbreaking women in arts and politics were not the only representations of the new woman. In 1910, a divorced mother of 12, Johanna I, opened a bakery in the proximity of the Dusseldorf Academy of Arts. She attracted artists, displayed their work in her shop windows, and became a collector herself. In 1916, she opened a gallery, which became home to the Young Rhineland Group. By the 1920s, the portly art stoyenne, known affectionately as Mother Eye, was the most painted woman in the Rhineland. Even Angelica's brother, Willie Fick, painted her portrait. Like the American arts patron Catherine Dreyer, who came to Cologne in 1919 and purchased three of Angelica's works in 1922, 
Mother I represents the importance of the supportive but strong roles women could play. Mother I, loved for her maternal support, was the opposite of Gala Eluard, the wife of the French poet Paul Eluard. The Russian-born Gala rejected their child Cecile. In November 1921, on a visit to Max Ernst and his wife Dr. Louise Strauss Ernst in Cologne, Gala embroiled the two men in a menage a trois. Max left his wife and child in 1922 to pursue the Elowards to Paris. In 1924, Ernst sold his art inventory to Mother I to finance a trip into China with the Elowards. Gala went on to become Salvador Dali's wife. The Toronto Public Library has a book titled Ghost Ships, A Surrealist Love Triangle by Robert McNabb, which details the Indochina journey. Gala, the muse, exemplified the sexually unleashed new woman for which flappers and dancers such as Josephine Baker stood. In March 1921, Mary Wigman introduced a different aspect of women and dance when she performed in Cologne. Mary's expressive, abstract dances, based on Rudolf Leben's methods, have been part of the Cabaret Voltaire Dada events in Zurich. By 1920, Wigman had her own dance school in Dresden, and her abstract creations were to dance what Kandinsky was to art and Schoenberg to music. Between 1921 and 1923, Wigman's partner was Dr. Hans Prinzhorn, whose 1922 book on the art of the mentally ill, Angelica and Heinrich Hurle studied in their apartment. Both Wigman and Prinzhorn held tremendous interest for the Cologne art scene, with Mary standing for the successful modern woman in the arts. The roll call of influential women who represent aspects of the new woman could go on. However, as the media gained broader power in the 1920s, movie stereotypes of women prevailed. Angelica Hurla did not live long enough to see the images of strong women in politics and the arts overshadowed by the images of women as vamps, interchangeable tiller girls, and swooning romantics.